dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Thanks for joining us here on Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. So thankful all of you to join us. I can't tell you uh, how excited I am because you know what? Now, uh, most recently, I had to go and get a new computer because I just needed to do an upgrade. There's a lot of more things we're doing here at Canvas Radio in terms of uh, a lot of different projects we're working on. And I just said to myself, well, you know what, boss? Darren Brandy, I need a new computer. Got one. Also got dual screen. So now you have yours truly with faster equipment. When I'm doing these interviews for Blunt Business, where I can actually catch certain things for ad-lib questions if I want to, because, you know, in some of these shows, I might have a little bit of a, a planned out agenda for our guests. Obviously, you see there's a lot of research being done, but there's always research that's going on on the fly. There's always other stories that might be looked at as I'm doing the show, just so I preface guests. Now I have better equipment, even better to start looking away. And if I start finding stories that just get published that day as we record, the latest information I will have available for, or even breaking news that happens as well. If it happens, I can be able to talk about it on this show. Just wanted to preface that. Meantime, one other thing I want to do before we get started and introduce our guest is remember, most uh, importantly, we like to know the people that you want to have featured here on Blunt Business on a regular basis. We have, honestly, we've have done so many shows and we have so many different slots open for different people that we consider are really pillars of the industry, really important playmakers, business owners, and uh, facilitators that are really doing yeoman's work in the space and really putting the best foot forward. I'd like to know which other guests that we haven't featured on the program or we want to bring back that you would like for us to go ahead and speak with on Blunt Misses. Please send me an email, if you will, brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O, at CannabisRadio.com, brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O, at CannabisRadio.com, B-R-A-S-C-O. My guest for this week manages his company's international and domestic corporate service businesses, services business, excuse me, supporting more than 1,200 companies that trade on the premium OTCQX and OTCQB markets. I'm joined by the director and executive vice president of OTC Markets Group, Jason Paltrowitz. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Really glad to have you on. I'm going to talk finances today. Now, New York City-based OTC Markets Group, well, why wouldn't it not be in New York City, right? Operated <laughs> financial markets for 10,000 U.S. and global securities, currently cross-trades dozen of can- dozens of cannabis companies with primary listings on the Canadian Securities Exchange, providing these companies with access to U.S.-based investors. Now, in the uh, statement of the company, the exponential growth in publicly traded cannabis securities underscores the willingness of these companies to provide efficient training and enhanced disclosure for investors. Give me some insight, Jason, into how cannabis is respected and invested under the watchful eyes of Wall Street. Um, Well, cannabis has been, no pun intended, a growth business. If you think about the last five years, um, publicly traded cannabis companies have gone from, for all intent and purpose, zero market cap um, to, to over a billion dollars in, in collective market cap. Um, now, you know, the big driver of a lot of this was the Canadian markets legalizing cannabis, uh, on October. So we're coming on a year now, October 17th of last year. 
And what you're finding is that these companies want to be public companies, right? They want to raise capital the way other businesses would, um, and they want to service their investors the way other uh, businesses would and do. Um, but it's a little difficult because it's cannabis. And certainly here in the United States, um, the legalization of cannabis has gone on a state by state level, not at the federal level. So what you're finding is because it's gone legal in Canada, uh, because the Canadian capital markets are um, really the, the forefront or the trailblazer in, in raising capital in the cannabis space, you're seeing a significant number of companies uh, list on Canadian exchanges and primarily the Canadian Securities Exchange because their rules make it a little easier. And those companies are coming from all over the world, um, Israel, Australia, and a significant number of those are actually U.S.-based companies that because they can't um, kind of meet the requirements of the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, or really because New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ won't take them because of uh, federal legal issues with cannabis. They're accessing the markets in Canada. Um, and then what they're doing, uh, what a lot of international companies do anyway, not in the cannabis space, is then using our market to have a, a dual trading facility here in the U.S. to meet the needs of their investors. So if you think of a company like MedMen, as an example, a U.S.-based company um, could not have their primary listing here, could not IPO here, but certainly could do it in Canada. Um, but to service all of the people that love MedMen or who are investors in MedMen or who are believe in the cause of MedMen, uh, they can now access and invest in that company through, through the cross-traded securities that we've put on our market here in, in New York. Now, one of, you actually, MedMen is such a, a, a pointed uh, company to go and point out because of the fact of there was a lot of talk in the markets now about the fact that MedMen decided not to go ahead and buy uh, Pharmacan LLC. And because of that, the t stock took a little bit of a tumble. Along with other things, there was a, that, that merger that, was, that did not happen. There's an issue with the broader market after U.S. Uh, blacklisted Chinese tech companies and some other things that are going on, any of those supply agreements. So there's a lot of volatile things that are going on where if anything goes along with cannabis companies, if they're not pushing forward, if they're not that forward momentum, if any kind of backtracking happens, the markets will respond so critically and so, I think, like prematurely. Do you see the same way? Yeah, and it really is the philosophy of our markets and the Canadian Securities Exchange, for that matter, is what, what differentiates us from traditional exchanges is that we believe in just that. We believe that, you know, making companies be open and transparent and disclose um, is really a disclosure based regimen is the best way to run markets. And the investors are typically the best position to decide what's investable, um, what's good, bad or otherwise. And so I agree with your, your statement. And rather than, you know, the traditional exchanges will pass merit on the business and then decide whether or not they're good enough. We say as long as you're following the law and as long as you're disclosing and making information available to investors in a timely fashion, investors will figure out um, whether or not you're, you're worthy of investment and the price of the security will, will reflect whether or not investors think um, there's a good story or a bad story or something wrong with the company. Now, OTC Markets Group recently announced the launch of the OTCQX Cannabis Index, which is a new performance benchmark for cannabis companies trading on the OTCQX best market. 
Chat me up about what this new index will provide. Um, you know, it really is just a gauge of the market generally. Um, you know, it, it, like all indices, it it takes kind of the the biggest companies, if you will. So the index is the top based on market cap and liquidity, um, almost like a popularity contest, if you will. And it's a gauge of what companies kind of hit those those criteria, the top ones within those criteria. So it's a good indicator of how the market is moving generally. Um, so if you're interested in cannabis and you kind of don't have the ability to do significant amounts of research in individual companies and you kind of like to see where the market is going, the index is a good gauge for, for you to see that. Um, you know, cannabis took a bit of a, a bump um, recently and you know, you can actually see that in the performance of the index, that the stocks kind of the valuations of the securities kind of took a little bit of a, a retreat um, in the last couple of months. And, you know, you can see that through through the index. Um, certainly from that, you will have people that will invest um, using the index as a benchmark. And so to the extent that you're in the index or you're one of those companies and there are people that want to invest using that index, then you're, you're likely to see increased uh, investment in your security based on, you know, us publishing and marketing out that index. Fantastic. So in a way, it would be almost like saying it's like the S&P 500, how that's, how that's listed more or less, correct? Yeah, it's it's like that for for those those cannabis those top cannabis companies given the the performance metrics um, and so yeah just like people might invest in the S and P five hundred or benchmark their investment to the S and P five hundred um, this is our little way of of trying to provide similar kind of ecosystem uh, within the cannabis community. Um, we haven't built any products off it and we're not off, you know, there's no ETF or anything that one can go buy based on the index, but it is a good indicator for people that are interested in the market, uh, cause investors, if you will, that are, that are following it closely. Very good. Well, all right. Interesting. I really wanted to find out what that's all about. So I did, uh, uh, really it's a lot of uh, what's being done when it comes to the full buildup of, you know, cannabis being, you know, such a marketable commodity, and if the stock market is not making the way to go ahead and embrace it so much, that's what you're doing with OTC Markets. Again, uh, while we're at it, make sure to go and take a look at the website, otcmarkets.com, so you can take a look at all the different indices that are available there and more about it. Well, we go to a commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to be back with more questions about a uh, little trip that you made to Davos, Switzerland there, Jason. Uh, Jason Paltrow, Director and Executive Vice President of OTC Markets Group, is with us. Back in just a moment. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. I said palm trees, make California. Yo, 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 this your boy, TJ, Trinidad James. You listen to Dr. Bina on Cannabis Confidential. L.A., what up? Nickname James, man. I'm worried like a light. People were so excited to see you supporting our industry, and it's so important to see people who are mainstream, who are out there, that people look up to. That was my first one ever going to, so that was definitely a big deal for me. It's not just, oh, man, just come smoke a bunch of joints. It's a lot of science into it. It's way more interesting than a lot of people might think who look down, per se, on what we enjoy. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. Like 
Oh, lady marijuana, lama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the board, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you like yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one toke over the line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We are joined by Jason Paltrowitz, Director and Executive Vice President of OTC Markets Group here on Blunt Business. Earlier this year, you spoke in Davos, Switzerland. Uh, you know, would be quite jealous of the trip over there. I can imagine. Hopefully, you had some time to do something more than just have to go and work over there in Davos, because that would probably be a f- really fun trip. Uh, participants included Ehud Barak, the 10th Prime Minister of Israel and Chairman of Intercure, and Anthony Scaramucci, the former White House Press Secretary, and then Bruce Litton before he left his position at Canopy Growth. And you spoke on a panel on cannabis and the capital markets, what's getting funded next? Almost a year later, are you seeing where the money is being invested now? Yeah, I think a year ago, certainly things have changed a little bit. If I look back to a year, what you what you really found was companies um, doing their IPOs, as I mentioned, right? It's kind of companies taking that first step, going public on on primarily the Canadian markets, and using that as their you know where they raised their funds. I think what you're seeing now, it's almost a year on, is that a lot of the fundraising is actually the companies that are already um, listed. So these are doing additional follow-ons, and those are being done primarily um, for the M&A space. So, you know, I think when we were in Davos, we had kind of discussed as part of that panel and other panels that like all industries, you know, there's a big rush of all of these companies going public, that ultimately there would be a shakeout. Um, There would be consolidation. There would be winners and there would be losers. Um, The big companies would take out the little companies and like any other um, market, that's what you'd see. And I think, you know, we were right. I think now that you look at it, um, a lot of the capital that's being raised, as I said, are the big companies and that are using those secondary offerings to to take out the little ones. So you're certainly seeing a consolidation um, in the space rather than, you know, the U.S. multi-state operators just going public for the first time. Or in some cases, I know where the, uh, which we talked about a few weeks ago, the idea of um, instead of, you know, 
publicly listing themselves under an IPO, but going through an RTO, which we went through extensively with another guest, and taking the route where they can go ahead and go through a shell company and they get themselves listed in Canada in order to go ahead and get themselves publicly traded. Yeah, man, you just saw that with, uh, I believe, Isratan just did that um, uh, probably this week or last week. So, yes, you are, you are seeing the RTO process as well. And there's obviously one thing we talked about as well on the show was uh, a little bit of the idea of speculation, that uh, the, a little bit of criticism as to being able to know the integrity of the shell company that you're associating yourself with. Uh, give me a minute. I'll go ahead and let you know who the guest was. So for those of you who want to go back and refer. Now, another thing I want to talk about, which was actually really fascinating, was something called Regulation A. The SEC's yeah. <laughs> adoption of amendments to Regulation A, known as Reg A, in 2015 made it easier for small companies to raise money and access the secondary markets. Born out of the 2012 Jobs Act, the revamped Regulation A was meant to provide a streamlined path for companies to raise up to $50 million while benefiting from regulatory changes like general solicitation, testing the waters, and a state blue sky exempt preemption. The goal is twofold, to benefit issues with a less burdensome approach to raising capital and to provide non-accredited investors the ability to invest in early stage companies. Which, by the way, before I get you on, there is not a lack of investment money out there. There's so many people that are funding and so many more people coming into the fray that are doing that. Now, I want to talk about an article from Benzinga. You were asked about this and you said, quote, the true success of Reg A lies in the offerings that haven't been publicized. And the way it was intended to work, it's actually worked quite well. It's because community banks that have used Reg A to raise money from their depositors, it's REITs that have used Reg A. It's small, early stage developing companies that have used Reg A to raise some money and grow their business, end quote. Now, the biggest problem so far has been the way some of the industry have manipulated the regulation in a way it wasn't meant to be used. You also said that. Please expand on what is not working with this regulation. So I think what I, you know, the conversation there was generally about Reg A and what works and what doesn't. And I think uh, for, for your listeners that have followed it, there have been some really high profile Reg A IPOs on the exchanges. And if you look at those IPOs, um, most, if not all of them, were, are way off from their, from their IPO price, right? They never really performed um, you know, the way one would want an IPO to perform if, you, if you're investing. And the primary reason for that is that Reg A wasn't really designed to be a faster, easier, more efficient way to IPO your security on the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ. It was designed as a way to help small early stage companies raise money um, and do that through, in essence, the crowd, right? It was really looking at crowdfunding and how could you make it a little bit easier for some of these these companies to do that um, and so what wasn't working was you had a lot of advisors and a lot of people that are in the small cap market space generally that were pushing companies towards these very burdensome and costly um, exchange listings um, for companies that never should be on an exchange. I mean, we, sh we have to be honest. These were very small, early stage entrepreneurial companies that, that were never ready. The management team was never ready. The infrastructure was never there within the company um, to be listed on an exchange. That doesn't mean they're not investment worthy. It just means they weren't yet ready. And so these companies kind of, you know, for all intent and purpose, bid off way more than they can chew. Um, their businesses weren't fully developed. 
and and they didn't succeed. And because they were so high profile, it gave the sense that Regulation A wasn't working because these companies failed. And you're really talking about a handful, 5, 10, 15 companies. There were a significant number, as I mentioned, REITs and community banks and smaller early stage companies that decided to not go the exchange listing route. Um, they were actually very successful. They were able to raise through the crowd, you know, online, um, five, 10, 15, 20 million dollars, uh, and were able to do those capital raises to help you know, grow their business um, in a much more methodical fashion um, than than those companies that jumped immediately to an exchange. And so we're seeing a lot of those companies very successful. I mentioned community banks. A significant number of community banks in the United States have used Reg A, um, you know, to raise money to to acquire neighboring community banks. Uh, REITs have certainly used uh, Reg A to raise money to to grow their portfolios and their businesses. And so I think the regulation is working. Um, the publicity, you know, the, the press would have you believe um, because of some of those high profile failures that the whole thing was a, was a bust. And I think my point was it wasn't. Uh, you just need to kind of read below the fold a little bit. A few weeks back, we had the Safe Banking Act being passed by the House in late September. And it could very well again go to the Senate and make their way through. Do you see anything that's promising at all when it comes to investors and all when it comes to the Safe Banking Act and how it would benefit? What kind of advantages there might be inside of that bill? Well, the benefit is, I mean, I I view the benefit as significant. Uh, One of the biggest uh, issues facing the cannabis industry, certainly here in the U.S., is, is the banking of it as an industry. Um, it's significantly difficult for the companies to be banked, and it's really hard for the banks that run the financial market infrastructure to allow for um, their their clients to buy and sell these securities because they're always running the risk that the federal, you know, if you're uh, Bank of America, let's say, um, you know, you've got a banking regulator, a federal banking regulator that is taking the federal banking position on whether or not your clients should buy and sell uh, cannabis securities. And so once you lift the fog of that um, and you allow it to be legal from a banking standpoint, I see, I, I, would imagine that you'll see increased investment. Um, you'll see banks and brokerage firms more willing to to hold those investments. Um, and, you know, from an investor standpoint, you'll see companies that are able to run and operate their financials the way every other company can run and operate financials. Um, you know, we're still in the the early stages of this. And so you'll have you know, companies in Colorado, let's say, uh, growers in Colorado or other businesses where, you know, they can't have a, a corporate bank account where they can deposit the money uh, that they receive through their business in the same way, you know, any other business would. And so I think it takes away a lot of um, costs and, and restrictions that those companies have. And I think that will then result in um, more people in the business and more people investing in, in the securities. Other thing I want to make mention of too is there's around the Safe Banking Act. The other, another piece of legislation that people are looking at, reading from InsuranceJournal.com, is the clarifying law around insurance of marijuana act or claim, and it uh, recently did pass the House as well, making its way to the Senate, and it's now with the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. Just to give a heads up, uh, it's said to do what the Safe Act would do for banking, 
and it would state that insurance, an insurer engaging a business with a cannabis-related company or a service provider in the cannabis sector engaged, quote, in a transaction permissible under state law related to cannabis, and the offices, directors, and employees of that insurer may not be held liable pursuant to any federal law. Um, it would said to be that the act would help insurance and brokers fill numerous gaps in coverage for cannabis businesses. If that insurance policy is there for companies, how much does that help their, their, their value in the market? I think, you know, I'm not as familiar with that as I am with the SAFE Act, so I'll, I'll preface it with that. Press. It's obvious. Yeah, but what, but what you are seeing and, you know, what we predicted going back to, again, that conversation in Davos is yeah. that the horse has left the barn on kind of cannabis as a business from a financial standpoint. It's taking some time to get there, and the regulators and the legislators um, need to get there. But what you're seeing slowly but surely is um, this just becoming another business um, to be treated the way any other business would be treated. And so this is just another kind of arrow in the quiver, um, if you will, of, of cannabis becoming recognized and accepted as a business um, throughout the country. And I think you'll start to see more and more of this until we eventually do get to the point where, you know, cannabis as a capital market endeavor is no different than, you know, tech or automobiles. Um, and these companies will be held to the same standards, but they'll have access to the same uh, benefits. We're here again with Jason Paltritz, Director and Executive Vice President of OTC Markets Group. We're back with final questions with Jason after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with final questions with Jason Paltritz, Director and Executive Vice President of OTC Markets Group here on Blunt Business. Uh, Jason, steadily, the cannabis industry is budding into a big money business. After generating more than $3 billion in worldwide licensed store sales in 2014, the industry has hit now nearly $11 billion in sales in 2018. By 2024, according to the team of 
ARCV Market Research and BDS Analytics, they see foresee worldwide sales sur surpassing $40 billion, at least in their current state of the legal cannabis markets report. Regardless of why widely sales estimates are varying among researchers and on Wall Street, it's abundantly clear that the legal cannabis industry is going to be a force to be reckoned with, which means great news for investors. What kind of forecast do you see playing out for investors and where should they hedge their bets? For me, before I say anything, I tried to go just to the traditional stock market and I haven't made my way into OCC market at all. But even just going to an ETF now, I don't feel like there's any benefit to it on the regular stock market because we're waiting for regulation for it to really go on. But what do you see about it for those that are investing through the OTC market? Um, well, we certainly have a number of people using our markets and that we have, um, you know, on our OTCQX best market, we have 72 uh, publicly traded cannabis companies. We have 144 on our OTCQB market. Um, so it's pretty hard if you're investing in cannabis kind of not to be buying uh, the securities that trade here. Um, those numbers continue to grow, and I think you're seeing more and more companies come to market. I think what what's interesting from an investor standpoint, and I would never tell anybody what to buy or not buy, so no investment advice here, but I think what you are seeing is, um, you know, as I look at the rest of the world, you know, I think the U.S. and the Canada story is kind of reaching its its end in terms of those companies. Um, but you're starting to see legalization and moves towards legalization in a significant number of countries around the world. Um, Thailand is an example of a country that's legalizing. You're seeing the Latin American countries move towards that. Um, even in the UK and Europe moves towards legalizing, certainly medicinal. Um, and from that, you're seeing a significant number of companies from around the world that are looking to leverage kind of the capital market know-how of North America, whether that's Canada or, or us. And so I think that's what you should be, you know, what people, the next wave um, looking at is seeing where legalization and not just in, in recreational, um, but looking at some of the really innovative companies, whether it's life science or biotech or more downstream uses of, of cannabis, CBD, um, and what those businesses are. I just came back from Israel. Uh, significant number of really interesting um, companies in, you know, again, in the biotech and life science space, um, you know, looking to raise capital or looking to, to access the capital markets. And that's just going to grow, um, no pun intended. You know, you've seen a lot of the Canadians and the, the Americans go public. Um, but there's a whole big world out there. And I think those companies are going to start coming fast and furious uh, as, as well. Wonderful. Now, uh, Jen, Jason, what a great conversation. I know it might be a little bit over people's heads. It's over my pay grade, of course, but uh, I'm so glad you can help kind of clarify these things for us. Now, real quickly, before we're going to wrap things up, uh, I again want to go and direct people to otcmarkets.com so you can learn more about what uh, Jason and his team are doing over there with this uh, full set of indices and finding out where you can Learn more about how your company can create better and informed uh, and more efficient markets, really, to be a part of that space and to have a better understanding. I'm sure there's a lot of resources and things that you offer there. Uh, tell us more about what they can do to learn more about OTC Markets Group, more about understanding the indices and what kind of uh, support you offer companies that are looking to invest or for investors that are looking to put a little bit of cash into cannabis. 
So, yeah, you know, the website is the best place to start. So otcmarkets.com. We have over 10,000 companies that are publicly traded here. Uh, So it's a great resource for investors to be able to look and research and get information. Um, We are the market. Um, So as I said, requiring companies to disclose and make available their financial and other information. And so it's really, you know, it's it's important as an investor to do your due diligence and not jump in blindly. Um, And we are a great resource for that. Um, We're actually hosting um, with the Canadian Securities Exchange on October 30th, a cannabis event here in our offices. Um, that event will will actually be live. Uh, we'll call it a virtual conference. So it, you'll be able to access that via, via phone. Um, so there'll be information about that on our website as well. We have eight uh, duly listed cannabis companies participating as well as other experts. Um, so that's also a great resource. A lot of the events that we do uh, to learn more about the space and to learn more about what we do. Uh, and again, that can be found on our website. All right. Well, I love that. Uh, really do appreciate you making time to tell us about it. And like I said, I, I'm going to go to the site myself because I'm, you know, I have some money to go ahead and add into the mix and to see how it would do. I'm just very, um, what, what can I say? If I'm, I'm, I don't have a big payroll to work off of to put money into it. I'm always a little bit wary of putting anything that I know that will make money back, like say precious metals. I know cannabis um, is, Obviously, we know it's just going to continue to grow, and there's going to be that point where legalization makes it to the U.S. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen pretty soon. Don't have a timetable, but I just think that's when – I think that's when everybody's really looking to go ahead. And for those that might be in the mainstream that are not paying attention to the space closely, they're waiting for that moment to say, okay, we want to jump in there like it's Google or something like that and just say, okay, here we go. And then kaboom, the stock just goes like crazy. And I think people are looking for that, but honestly – do your research, go to a place like OTC Markets, get into this market because obviously, you know, it's, we're not seeing so much uh, like Wall Street where everybody just gets panicky over any little thing I would feel like sometimes. We mentioned that earlier on, and that's what it comes down to. Jason Paltritz, OTC Markets Group, thank you for joining us here on the program. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, my pleasure. Really do appreciate it. Again, otcmarkets.com to learn more. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another edition of Blunt Business. You can download past episodes of our show by going to CannabisRadio.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.